Hey, and welcome back to Embracing Your Virtue. I'm your host, Samantha Jasmine. Um, so today I wanted to, on the topic of new beginnings and resolutions and all that kind of New Year stuff, normally in the New Year, people make um, resolutions about things they want to change in their life, right? And one of those topics is usually finances, especially as we get over probably all the overspending that we did around Thanksgiving and Christmas and the shopping, et cetera. So I wanted to share with you guys a little bit about me and then also share some finance tips for those of you who are looking to get your financial houses in order. Today's topic will be how I am able to be a stay-at-home mom with a family of five on a teacher's salary in one of the most expensive areas in the country. And I'm going to share some tips on how we're able to do that so that if you are like me and you would like to make that move to being a stay-at-home mom, if you would like to be um, also like me and kind of forge your own career path and do your own thing, but maybe your financial situation is just not where it's meant to be, this podcast is for you. So um, as I said, I have three small kids. I didn't expect to be a stay-at-home mom. I always thought that I would work. But after having my second child and moving to a new area, you know, the decision was sudden, unexpected. But thankfully, because we already had a particular lifestyle and, and financial plan in place, I was able to make that transition without any real hesitation. So I'm going to give you an overview of our financial journey in hopes that it will help you achieve your financial goals. So let's jump right in. My first tip for you, and this is what we did, was we needed to track our finances. So we established a budget. And for a lot of people that might be like, duh, right? Of course, a budget. But you need to establish a budget and you need to follow the budget. You need to track your finances. So the budget gives you a lens into your spending habits. It's a blueprint for your future financial plans. It's really just like the basis for it. So if you start tracking your expenses, it gives you an idea about where there's some wiggle room, what you can cut, what you can, you know, kind of finesse to kind of set yourself up for the next move. You might think you don't have any extra money to maybe put aside to launch a new business or any extra money that you could put towards your bills so that you could stay home. But I bet you if you start really micromanage, like micro tracking your finances and making sure that everything, those Starbucks um, payments are tracked, those, you know, that extra uh, trip to the nail salon you did this week, whatever it is that you're spending your money on, if you start putting that in and itemizing it, I bet you you could come up with some extra money. So that's my first tip for you. Track your finances through a budget. Number two, reduce your spending. While you're still working, consider what you can sacrifice to free up some money to create more disposable income. Once you establish your budget, you can see the areas that you might be able to cut back. So for us, we had to cut back on that food budget. Okay, let me tell you something. We were spending like one year we tracked our food and it was like over $10,000 in restaurant food. I'm so embarrassed to even say that, but it's true. Everything from not taking our lunch to work, sometimes we were having dinner out with friends, date nights, you know, so we really had to cut back. So for us, that meant instead of going out to Red Lobster or some other, you know, spending $50 at a place like that, we went to Chipotle. Or better yet, you can have a non-food related activity. Like when you're going out with your friends, you know, like 
let's go to the park and play, you know, and do something recreational or, you know, let's go see that free jazz that's happening down by the pier and eat when we get home. Like, you know, you can find ways to save money that way. Um, Depending on your financial status, you might have to take drastic steps to reduce your spending. We actually did. We lived with family for three years. Now, I'm going to take a second and you let that marinate. Two adult people, married, lived with family for three years. Now, you know that was not easy on anybody, but we are so grateful. Thank you, family, for taking us in because our rent was dirt cheap and it allowed us to use that extra money to set ourselves up for the next move. Now, you may not be able to live with family. I know that most people don't have that option, but you can still find ways to downsize and to minimize your expenses. So stay tuned actually for a future video on ways to reduce your spending. I'm going to do a whole segment just on that because you'd be surprised on how many different things that you can do to just cut back. And now think about it with COVID, right? Many of us had to do a shelter in place. Uh, Many of us are still working from home. So if you are working from home, think about it. Your commuting expenses are gone. You're probably not filling up that gas tank as much as you used to. You probably aren't driving as much. Maybe if you guys are like a two car family, maybe you can go down to one car, right? And get rid of that second lease or that second payment and save money that way. Maybe you can choose to take public transportation instead of driving, right? Um, There's so many different things Um, and there's so many different things that we might not be doing as much because of the pandemic, right? Movie theaters, eating out, uh, you know, when, when the shelter in place was happening, listen, we couldn't go and get our, go and get our toes done, go and get our hair did like we normally did. What if you kept that going, right? What if you kept that doing and continue to do your own nails, continue to do your own hair? Now, listen, I'm not trying to put those people in those industries out of business because I, I want everyone to be working, but Maybe those are areas that you can cut back on. Maybe you go less frequently or, you you know, you do something to try to save some extra money. Because when when we all were stuck in our homes during COVID, it was inconvenient. But guess what? We survived. So there's a lot that we can live without if we just simply make the choice to do so. All right. So let's move on. Number three, consider ways for you to actually increase your earnings, right? Is there a side hustle that you can take on? Maybe You can drive, you know, and I don't know if you have kids and I understand everybody has a life that they have to leave, but if there is free time, right, could you do Uber Eats for two to three hours on a Saturday and make some extra money? Could you maybe do some overtime at work? My husband is a teacher, right? When we needed extra money, he started coaching. He coached bowling and track. Did my husband ever run track? No, sorry. I don't know if I'm blowing up his spot, but no, he never ran track, but We needed that extra money. He learned, right? He started watching some videos on how to do it. He started running and he and the kids learned and figured it out together. And we got that extra money. So consider what you can do to increase your earnings and earn that extra cash. And I'm going to tell you why, you know, cutting back and earning extra money is so important. Step number four is to eliminate your debt. One of the main reasons people can't move into a single income household is why? Because they have too many bills, right? So we spent the first year of living with family. We put all that extra cash into paying off our debt. 
that was a small student loan for me and credit cards. For some of you that might also include a car note, personal loans, I don't know, unpaid parking tickets, you name it. Whatever your debt is, get rid of it. And once you're done, take those credit cards and cut them up, hide them, erase, you know, all your information off that Google Play or Apple Pay or wherever you have your stuff, you know, your your Uber Eats, whatever your credit card information might be auto safe. Get rid of it. Eliminate the temptation to continue to put yourself back in debt by using those credit cards. Okay, so now that we have freed up some extra cash, we have eliminated all of our debt and we still have that extra cash that's been freed up because of the ways that we've cut back and downsize. The next step, number five, is to save aggressively. Okay, so we read this book, my husband read this book that kind of totally changed our financial life, right? And it was by Dave Ramsey and it was a total money makeover. According to Dave Ramsey, he says the first thing that you should do is to save for an emergency fund. Why is that important? We needed an emergency fund so that when things happen like the tire needed to be replaced or there was a trip to the ER and we had to pay that $500 deductible, whatever it was, whatever emergency unforeseen expenses came up, we were covered. And this way, we didn't have to slip back into using those credit cards again and slip back into that debt and paying those interest rates. So that's the first thing. Secondly, for us, we wanted to save money for a down payment on a home. We knew that once we were done living with family, we didn't want to rent and we wanted to get into something that was permanent. So if you know anything about how that works, you know that the larger the down payment you put on the home, the less money that you actually have to borrow from the bank, which means that your monthly mortgage will be smaller. The more money you put down in cash at the beginning, the more affordable your mortgage will be, which is going to be a key component of how you're able to survive on a single income. Leading right into that, my sixth tip is living below the mean. Now, usually the expression is living within your means or below your means. I mean, living below the mean like the average, right? So the average rent or mortgage payment in the New York City area is about 50% of a family's take-home pay. 50% of your money, and that's average, goes towards just your rent or mortgage. Doesn't that just break your heart? It breaks mine, right? So once again, following Dave Ramsey's principle, He recommends that your monthly mortgage or rent is no more than 25% of your take-home pay. Now, I know if you're living in a high-cost area like New York City or anywhere surrounding it um, or any city similar to that, that might seem impossible, right? Or maybe you, you, you you legitimately just don't earn that much compared to where you live. I understand. But trust me, it's possible. If you eliminate your debt, right, If you curb your spending, you will be surprised what you can do with such a limited budget. And I guess why is that important, right? Like, why is it important to have um, a monthly mortgage or rent that is only 25% of your take-home pay? Well, if you think about it, like you still have utilities, you have a phone bill, you have so many other expenses that you may have to pay. You might have, you know, you have health insurance costs, so many other things, right? Um, Not to mention, 
you know, maybe you want to put your kids in soccer and they needed a uniform for that. Or maybe you want to do private school for your kids. Like there's so many other expenses that come up. Food, like (laughs) just, you know, just things that come up. And like nobody wants to be house poor, right? Like you, you, you got this really great house, but you can't afford to do anything else but sit in it and maybe not even eat in it and maybe not even turn on all the lights in it. Um, so it's really important that, um, you try to keep your, your rent or your mortgage payment around that 25% mark so that you have that disposable income to live the rest of your life. So the next couple of tips I'm going to share with you are really about mental preparation, right? Because I've given you some probably pretty radical or drastic steps to take, um, in order to kind of set yourself financially so that you can make it on one income, um, and, you know, start moving towards whatever your goals are, whether it be staying at home or, um, you know, maybe just investing in your own business, whatever that's going to be. So here's some mental tips to help you do that, because they say that, um, you know, my husband always says this, that when it comes to financial management, it's 20 percent knowledge and 80 percent behavior, meaning you could know what to do, but actually doing it and sticking to it is a whole nother story. So. Number seven, prioritizing. You need to think about what is really important to you. What can you live without temporarily? What are your core goals and values as a family? What will it take to reach those goals, right? And are your current financial habits reflective of those values, right? Because there was a period in time, even after we said, like we knew We wanted to get to a single, you know, a single income family. Even when I thought I was going to work, I said, we still need to live like we're living on one income because, you know, there was a period in time in which I was doing um, disability and absent management. And I saw how quickly somebody can get sick unexpectedly or get injured and how it can rock your world financially if you're not prepared for it. And I just never wanted to be in that place. I'm like, you know, God forbid if something happened to one of us where we couldn't work, I wanted to know that we were going to be good. Right. So even as we got to that period and we were like trying to make the we were making these drastic sacrifices, like we were still wasting money. You know, we were still taking elaborate vacations. Like I said, we were still eating a lot. And so you really need to kind of reach like kind of check yourself every couple of months. Right. I mean, you should be tracking your finances monthly, doing that budget, but kind of check yourself every couple of months and say like, okay, what are our goals the same? Are our values the same? And are our habits reflective of those values? Because if our habits are not reflective of those values, then we have to stop and think like, okay, what are we really, you know, are, are these values really what they say they are? And, and how committed am I to, to achieving them? And then making those necessary adjustments. Number eight, patience. You need patience, right? I feel like sometimes, and I don't know if you're like me, I want something now. And because I know it's not attainable now, like I just won't even try, right? Like I'm I'm all about that instant gratification. Um, but it takes a while to get your finances in order and that's okay. If if you know, when I embarked on living with family, it was like, okay, at first we're like, okay, we're just going to do this for a year because, you know, our relatives were like, you got one year in my house and then you got to go. And I was like, I get you. And even that felt like forever. And then when we decided to move in with another relative for what turned out to be another two years, at the beginning of it, three years felt like eternity, right? 
And even in the midst of it, sometimes it felt like, oh man. But when you look back, it, it went by like, you know, come on, we're all old now, right? We, we grown, we grown, right? You know, time flies by. You look at your kids and you're like, when did they grow up? You look at yourself like, oh, when did I grow up? Three years felt like an eternity at the start of it, but time really does fly by. And it was such a small investment considering the long-term effects of what, you know, what I was able to do. Being able to stay home, like even with my kids doing remote school and and not having to worry about like where they're going to go because I'm working or how I'm going to do that. It's been a blessing. Um, if you guys have listened to any of my earlier recordings, you know that I have two kids um, with special learning needs and that has taken a lot of time just advocating on their behalf and working with them. So the the benefits of that three-year sacrifice greatly outweigh the <laughs> the pain of, you know, for lack of a better word, of what it cost us in the, in the moment. So time flies by, you know, be patient, but be consistent and, and keep working towards it. Okay. Number nine, be willing to sacrifice, right? So we sacrificed a lot to get here and we're still sacrificing in some ways. You know, for example, we wanted a single family home, but you know, when our second child came, you know, as you know, she was kind of a surprise, right? We realized like, okay, we were embarking on kid number two. We cannot stay in our family's house anymore. So, you know, it cut our timeline short for that kind of aggressive savings. So instead of a single family home, we got a co-op and that's okay. Co-ops are less expensive, but you know, we're building equity because we're still not renting. So everything that we put into this mortgage, God willing, when we're ready to, to sell this place, we will take it all with us and we will be able to move on to something bigger in the appropriate time. And because we are remaining to, we are committed to remaining to be debt-free, we are still able to save for something larger in the future. Other ways, we drive older cars, right? Like they aren't pretty, you know, sometimes I feel like I have the hoopty of the neighborhood, but guess what? They are paid off, paid off. They were paid in cash, no car notes for us. So driving something a little bit older, meant that we didn't have to have that car note and that debt. That's okay with me. Sacrificing by nature is uncomfortable. Sometimes it's even painful, but you have to keep your eye on the big picture, right? So there's a scripture, Hebrews 12, 11. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And maybe along the way, you realize some sacrifices aren't worth it. And that's okay too, great? Because everyone's priorities are different. Number 10, my final tip is to is to have some unity, like be in unity with your spouse about all of this. Um, the most important thing is for you and your spouse to be on the same page, right? Because finances will never trump the unity of marriage, okay? So, it's important that you guys have the same goals, the same expectations, that you guys are in agreement about the plan. It's not going to work if one of y'all is saving and sacrificing and the other one is still spending. Trust me, we've been there. If you don't think your spouse will go for your plan, you know, start off small, create a plan. Sometimes they just need to see it, right? Like, you know, crunch those numbers and say like, hey, if we do this, this and this, here's what the return will be. 
establish a timeline and, you know, pray and see where that goes. Be prepared to adjust the plan, to adjust the plan if you need to, right? Don't sacrifice each other in the process. So you might say, all right, we're committed to this, right? Like we're going to downsize and move from our three bedroom to our, to a one bedroom. And that's what we're going to do. And you move to that one bedroom and you guys are killing each other, right? And you're going crazy. It's like six people in a single room. And, you know, sometimes you have to realize too, like, okay, it's, you know, some spouses might be like, nope, this was the plan. We stick into it. But, you know, at the end of the day, talk to each other, communicate, listen to one another, prefer one another, put each other ahead of yourselves, because it doesn't make sense to have a great financial future if you don't even like each other and you just want to like get divorced and like leave because of what you've been through. My husband and I kind of fell into that a little bit. You know, we were just, we were really young in our marriage and we just did not have the emotional, uh, the emotional intelligence, the empathy for one another and the communication to be able to talk about what was happening to us in the process, like what we were experiencing in the process of, of sacrificing and living with family and all of that jazz. Right. And I think that if we were just in a, um, in a better, if we were just emotionally prepared and if we just had those communication skills, like we would have saved ourselves a lot of just drama and pain and like, just, there was so much healing that had to happen after the fact. And I I thank God that it did. Um, but you know, talk to one another, love each other, prefer one another. Um, like I said, don't, don't sacrifice your marriage for the financial plan work together. So that's a high level overview of how we positioned ourselves to live on one income in this here expensive New York city area. I hope that you guys have found this podcast helpful. Please make sure that you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, you can also check out my website, uh, www.embracingyourvirtue.com. Um, for all of my content, some of my written blog pieces are up there. Well, all of my written blog pieces are up there. Um, if you want to book me for any of your, um, events, you can also find out how to do that on there. And you can check out my resource page for just helpful tools and tips on issues related to finances, relationships, the whole gambit. So thank you guys. Stay tuned and see you soon. Bye.